Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Our Father and our God, we come now, Lord, and we really want to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We need to do that in the world in which we live so that we don't have our eyes on the world and on things and on material possessions, but that we realize that this is a time where we need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. So as we open your word, we pray for your spirit to give us your interpretation and to show us what you would have us to see this evening because we ask for it in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. The cross makes the difference. We've been talking about that and we will continue to talk about it. It is the theme of this evangelistic outreach. The cross makes the difference. On Friday night, we talked about love on the cross. And if you remember, we talked about love being on the cross, but there was a focus. And that Jesus, while he was on the cross, his focus was on one particular group. Who was that group? What was that group? The soldiers, and they were the what? They were the undeserving. So you certainly are right. The soldiers, the ones who treated him the worst, who were the most undeserving, were the focus of Jesus' prayer. So on the cross, while love was on the cross, Jesus was thinking, of course, of those who needed him most. Then on Sabbath morning, we talked about Simeon, and we said that Simeon was one of the deserving. Isn't that right? Why was he deserving? What is it, because he was so good? No, because he was a believer. Remember, he believed when others did not believe. And by believing, it put him in place to receive. Remember that when we believe, we put ourselves in position to receive. And so then the Lord could give him and offer the gift that only comes from heaven. Then on Saturday night last evening, we talked about Peter. And we talked about the power of the cross and how Peter was freed from the old Peter that he was to the new Peter that Jesus used in a mighty and a powerful way. This evening, we're talking about the place of the cross. The place of the cross and the place of the cross, we're going to focus on the disciples, the apostles and disciples, and we're going to talk about the saved or the lost by the place of the cross. If you would turn with me now, go to your Bibles. Let's go to John, the 19th chapter, John 19. I love the word of God. If you love the word of God, say amen word of God is powerful. When you open it, it's all the power is there. It doesn't matter who you are. The word has the power. So we should always trust in and go to the word of God. John, the 19th chapter, verse 17. John 19 and 17. Earl, I'm sorry I was a little slow on that one. We'll get ahead on you there. John 19, starting at verse 17. And we're going to read verses 17 through 22. John 19, uh, starting at verse uh, 17, and we're going to go through verses 22. How many of you have your Bibles this evening? Let me see your Bibles. Mm -hmm. See, we got to be 2018. You say, we got the screen. We don't need the Bible. Mm -hmm. Well, all right, the screen is there for you, but you still need your Bibles, amen? Take your Bibles with you. You'll be surprised when you open the Word of God as you read it, what the Holy Spirit does and can do for you while you are reading the Word of God. I'm in John 19, starting at verse 17. Follow the story with me now. Jesus is crucified at Golgotha, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, what folks? Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. 
and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered him, what I have written, I have written. We'll come back to that point a little bit later, but I want you to see how Satan is always working somewhere. And if you notice in these scriptures, you don't see Satan, watch me now, until you see the church. <laughs> Satan working in the church. You know, we are told that when the church doors open and the saints come in, that the enemy comes in with the saints. So you've got to make sure that you're not the one bringing the enemy when you come into church. We've got to make sure that when you come to church, you're bringing the right spirit. So we see here that at this time, Jesus was led to a place of a skull. Some of you know the place as Golgotha. Does anyone know the place as a different name than Golgotha? Have we ever heard of Calvary? Certainly we've heard of Calvary. Calvary is the same thing of the skull. It's the place of a skull. It's the same definition. Calvary is simply the Latin for skull. Golgotha is the Hebrew for skull. And in Luke, the book of Luke, he's the only one, Dr. Luke, that writes about it. You'll only see the word Calvary one time in the Bible. It's in Luke 23 and 33 because Luke was a physician and he always paid attention to detail. And so then he wrote and he put it in the terms, of course, that would be translated more readily in those days, which was the Greek. And the Greek word is krachnion. Krachnion, that is the Greek term for it. But it is Calvary, krachnion, or Golgotha simply means the place of the skull, depending upon which language you spoke. Remember, in those days, it was a conglomerate of languages that would always come and meet in Jerusalem. Some spoke Latin, some spoke Greek, some spoke Hebrew. And there was also portions of the Bible were written in Aramaic. Some portions of that you will see in Aramaic. In fact, the Latin comes out of the Aramaic, which you will see was transferred over from the Hebrew. So the languages were there. But Calvary, Calvary, when I think about it, the song comes to my mind. And I was thinking of it as I was writing this sermon. Calvary, Lord, Calvary. Calvary, Lord, Calvary, Calvary, Lord, Calvary, surely he died on Calvary. Jesus on Calvary, surely died for you and for me. Many times we think of Calvary as what happened back then for those people. But remember all that Christ went through. And this weekend we've been talking about and focusing on what the soldiers did and how they mistreated him. And you've seen the pictures and the movies of what they did and the crowns on his head and the thorns and the piercing him in the side and all they did in dragging him through the streets and from Pilate to Herod and back and forth and all that Jesus went through on Calvary. 
my brothers and my sisters, that story cannot remain a story of the past, of Jesus, of the Bible days. That story is for you and for me. It was Christ who went through these things on Calvary so that you and I would have a chance to everlasting life. So Jesus, the sinless one, died on the outside of the gates. The importance tonight is on the place of the cross. The cross was also taken outside of. You remember the stories where you see, and you see the pictures where it says that Jesus had to carry that cross through the streets of Jerusalem, the Via Dolorosa. Please don't, I'm not going to try and sing that one. Y'all all leave, okay? But the Via Dolorosa, the road, the way of suffering, the sorrowful way. And as he carried that cross, he went on the outside of the gates of Jerusalem. And he had to go to that hill called Golgotha. Golgotha was slightly elevated so that all could see. And so that when they placed anybody on the cross, it was supposed to be another method of shaming, another method of humiliation to have somebody lifted up and to have them above the city where all could see. And so Jesus was taken to the place of the skull, Golgotha, Calvary on the outside of the gates. It was outside of Jerusalem. Remember that Jerusalem was, sit, was considered the heart, the center. It was the place where everything came together, where everything happened, where everybody wanted to be. But the crucifixion was to take place outside of the gates. And the place of the skull was significant because it was where the worst of the criminals were always crucified or where they would take them and they would be killed. They made sure that everyone knew something terrible, something very bad was happening on the outside, on the elevated hill, on Calvary. So Jesus, the sinless one, who never committed a sin, was made to take the sins of the world. So he took sin upon him. Now, don't get it mixed up. Jesus did not, he, he never did sin. Sin was not his to claim, but he took your sin and mine. So I sinned, but I did not pay. You sinned, but you did not pay. Jesus never sinned, but he paid. He paid for you. He paid for me. He paid for all. But you know, God can bring a good thing out of a bad. Amen? That's what he specializes in. So God makes sure that he brings a good thing out of the bad. Let's go to the scriptures and look at these verses, and let's follow it through as the story unfolds. So I'm in John 19, 17, and it says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into the place called the place of the skull, which in the Hebrew is Golgotha, where they crucified him and the two others on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Now, Jesus was placed in the middle. You know why there was significance there? They would always save the middle when they put three people. They would put the worst criminal in the middle. So each thing that you see, they're trying to say Jesus was the worst. He was the most evil. He was the most terrible person in our community. And that's why they wanted to show that to everybody. So they put Jesus in the middle. But I'm telling you, all, all God did was elevate the fact that he was in the middle because there he was seen by all. And Jesus prophesied. He said, I'll be lifted up above all men. And if I'm lifted up, I will what? Draw all men unto me. And so Jesus was seen as he was lifted up. The second part of it where Jesus, where God takes the a bad and makes it into good. And Pilate wrote a title and put on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Pilate wrote that. 
You know why Pilate wrote that? He was inspired of God to write that. I want you to let that sink in. That was not the intentions of the Jewish priest. But Pilate wrote that partly because of what he had received from his wife. His wife in a dream came and she said, I have had such a terrible dream. And when you read in the Desire of Ages, it talks about what happened to her. It says that in her dream, she saw all kinds of things. It says that she saw Jesus and she saw that he was innocent. And she became and she knew that he was the son of God, Pilate's wife, so that she understood this. Also, she saw the crucifixion. She saw her, her, her husband, Pilate, taking him and having him handcuffed. She saw him having him whipped and having him tortured. And then it said that she saw him on the cross. And then it said that she saw him in the next scene in her dream. She saw Jesus coming in the clouds of glory. Pilate's wife witnessed all this in her dream. She said so much of it came to her, and she saw that truly this was the Son of God, that she woke and right away wrote it and sent by one of their messengers and said, have nothing to do with that man. That is the Son of God. Pilate's wife and desire of ages says she came to believe and know that he was the Son of God. Pilate's wife knew it. And so God said, I'll take bad. And I'll bring good out of it. So then he said right on there that he is the king of the Jews. But, of course, the Jewish priest came and said, no, change the wording a little bit. Uh, all you got to do is put up there, he said he's the king of the Jews. <laughs> and I love Pilate's response. You see it in the word, don't you? It's there in verse 22. Pilate answered, ah, what I have written, I have written. Go sit down. That's the essence of what he said. What I wrote stands. And that's because he was inspired of God again. What I have written, I have written. And there was no more discussion then. You see, there was a, there was a agreement between the Jewish priest at that time and the Roman leaders. If they did certain things, they would leave them alone. Later on, they came into a pact over Jesus. They said, we want Jesus so badly that if you will, if you, if you will just help us to get Jesus, we'll leave the disciples alone. That's why John came to the foot of the cross with Mary. Because the other disciples, did you notice they were nowhere around? They scattered. For they were fear that if they were associated with Christ, they too would be crucified. But the Jewish priests, along with the Roman Catholic, the Roman leaders, they made a pact that if you will give us Jesus, we will leave you alone. So on the cross, you see that Jesus himself was put in the middle. You will see that Jesus was proclaimed the king of the Jews. You will see that this was done because Jesus didn't have to worry about it. The Holy Spirit was moving as he always is to place things where they should be. But because of the cross and because of all the things that took place there and because that Jesus was lifted up, the twelve now came. The apostles as they came and they were dealing with two things, fear and confusion. Their fear that they did not want to be associated with Christ and be crucified also. But their confusion was what was going to happen now. And the disciples were all upset and didn't know what to do. Go with me to Luke the ninth chapter. You're going to see in Luke the ninth chapter now. In Luke 9 verses 1 and 2. They thought that Jesus at any minute was going to exert his ability to perform miracles and that he would somehow bring forth an army and turn over the Roman Catholic rule and that they would be the leaders. And they were arguing over who was going to be the one next to Jesus on earth and who would be with him in his kingdom. 
They had little knowledge of what Christ was talking about. It took a long time for Jesus to get his disciples to truly understand all that he was trying to say to them. And so we find that Christ, as he continued to work with them, he saw that they did not understand, but he knew that he had to go ahead and do what he was supposed to do. And when he did, later, they would understand. In Luke, the ninth chapter, you'll see verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. Now that Jesus was going to be going, he said, I'm going to give them a power that they will be able to do what they never could do before, and they will know it is not mankind doing this because it will be a supernatural power. So he called his 12 together before the cross and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. And do you know that as the disciples went out, the apostles when they went out, they found that this power was given to them, and they came back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, even the devils respond to us. And Christ said, that's because... The Spirit is with you. So the 12 then that were with Jesus, starting off with him, and the 12 that were there from the cross, the shadow then came upon the 12, and the 12 went out and they multiplied. Now from Luke the ninth chapter, I want you to look at Luke the 10th chapter. In Luke the 10th chapter, the 12 change. The number goes up. The 12 now becomes 70. Luke, the 10th chapter and verse 1, after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Now the 12 have become 70 and the 70 went out and the 70 began to grow and then the 70 were telling the same story. What was the story they were telling? The story of the cross and as they told the story of the cross, and as they had the supernatural power that Jesus had handed over to them, they then began to double again. Now I'm in Acts, the first chapter. And when you go to Acts, the first chapter, you will see the number change again in Acts 1 and verse 15. Now Acts 1 and verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the, of the disciples and said, and in parentheses, the number of names together were about how many, folks? 120. Because of Jesus being alone on the cross and because they put his name up and said he's the king of Jews and because they put him in the middle and he was raised above all that Jesus himself did when he died he multiplied and the 12 went out and the 12 became 70 and the 70 went out and the 70 became 120 and the 120 as they went out you'll see later on in Acts 4, 5, and 6 it says you all have turned over the whole world. And that comes down to the millions of Christians that we see today that you and I see. That's right, millions of Christians that we see today. And in the Seventh-day Adventist church, you've got 18 million. Now it's very close to 20 million Seventh-day Adventists that have a special message that they are supposed to go out and tell. Are you part of that? Are you doing your part in that? This evangelistic series is to see if you're doing your part also. You see, sometimes we come and we're just consumers. We come to see what we can receive. But you have a responsibility. As I was saying last night, you are somebody special. My brothers and my sisters, you are special in the sight of God. The problem is you don't know it. And so you don't act special. I want you to act special in the light of the cross. The place of the cross is going to make a difference. Where is the cross in your life? Is the cross on the inside of your city symbolic of your heart? Or is the cross on the outside of your city? 
the millions of Christians today in which you are part of have a responsibility. Jesus took sin outside of the city, outside of the heart, and then he said it is finished. It was symbolically that Jesus took all the sin and he took it outside of the city, symbolically the heart, and he took it outside and he said now it is finished. And then he handed it over to the disciples. Those apostles handed it over to the other disciples that came, and those disciples handed it to us, and we are his, his disciples in 2018. And we are supposed to pass it on now. But you have to realize something. You have to have the kind of knowledge and the kind of conviction in your own heart that you say, yes, I understand that the baton has been passed to me. We talk about the place of the cross. Well, the question is, where is the cross in your life? Where has the cross been placed in your life? Is it where you will deal with it properly? Is it where sin will die on the cross? Or will you die on the cross with that sin in your life? In Galatians, the second chapter in verse 20, Galatians 2.20. Pull that one up, Galatians 2.20. You ought to know when you come to hear Dr. Asher, we're going to go to the scriptures, amen? We need to go to the word of God. I want you to see the word of God as we follow it along the way. In Galatians 2.20, the story is told so clearly, and Paul makes it clear I am crucified with Christ. No, we're all going to read this one because you know it too well. Let's read it together. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith who loved me and gave my, my, amen. The church ought to say amen to this verse. Paul put it so clearly. He said, listen, it's not about me anymore. Ah, he could put his name in there. Paul, Paul, I'm crucified with Christ. Yet I'm still living as a human being. I live in this flesh, but it is Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and what's the last part? And gave himself. And that's what we're talking about all this weekend. Jesus gave himself. Brothers and sisters, we've got to catch it somewhere that church is not for us to just come and enjoy and to hear the good music and to hear the good prayer and to see who the next preacher is going to be. You have to realize this is more than that. We are told that this church is being prepared for a crisis, a crisis for which we are not prepared. What is that crisis? Do you know? We talked about it a little bit the other day about the sealing process. You must understand the sealing process for yourself. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, you don't have to go there. It's very simple, three words. I die, what's the third word? Daily. I die daily. You must die to yourself daily. You must take that cross and take it outside of your heart, outside of your life, outside of the city, and take the sin in your life, take it outside of the city, and leave it there and say, it is finished. You have to ask God how to help us to do that in each of our lives. The book of Acts is one of the most unusual books in the Bible. You know why? It was never completed. Acts was never closed. How come it was never closed? Because the Acts of the Apostles became the acts of the disciples. The disciples are you and I. And so we continue to carry it on. And so then it's never closed and it's still dependent upon what acts Christ's disciples will perform. That's you and that's I. And we will be saved or we will be lost by where we place the cross. The cross needs to go outside of your life right now. We keep the cross and all of the sin that is nailed to it inside 
It's inside our lives. It's inside our daily activities. Whereas Christ took the sin outside of the city, and when he said it is finished, it said that all hell trum trembled then because they realized that there was no more victory, that there was no more sway over people because what Jesus did on the cross could never be undone. And he did it for you. He did it for me. He did all the work. All we have to do is receive and be recipients of what Christ has done. The cross makes the difference. Love on the cross, Jesus for the undeserving. Simeon, the deserving, as we see, as we move forward with the purpose of the cross. I gave you three reasons and three purposes of the cross. And then, of course, Peter, the freed from the cross. And then those who will be saved or lost by the place of the cross. I'm glad to say today, as we come to a close now, you can come to the instruments. I'm already closing out. I want you to go with me to the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, I want to go right to chapter 7 once again. If I go to chapter 7, I want to go there because I need all of us to know as we're here quietly, time is moving very quickly. And as time moves along, you and I must come to understand what it is that Jesus has for you, what Jesus has for me. Satan, when he fell, and we see that uh, when he fell from heaven and said there was war in heaven, that that war came down and now is fought here, and it is called the great controversy. And that battle, that war is being fought in every one of our lives every day that we live. What will you do with the cross? Will you leave the cross on the inside? Or will you carry your cross outside? Yes, it's a struggle. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it may be a bloody battle. But when you take sin out of your life and you give it to the Lord, he will say the same thing. It is finished. When Christ does, then he will begin to use his people. Revelation the 7th chapter, verse 1. Revelation 7, 1. I read this to you last night, and I read it to you again as I leave you this evening. Because here's where you are and where I am. We are in the midst of these verses. And the cross is going to make the difference in our lives. I'm in Revelation 7 while that music plays sweetly and low, just like that. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, on any tree. The symbolism that is there. Verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Verse 3. Read it out with me. Saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God. In, do you feel that you are one of the saints of God? Do you feel that you are a servant of God? Do you feel that you have been sealed? You were careful to raise your hand. We have to think that through. What does that mean? There's a sealing process, and the cross is part of that sealing process. What the cross does in your life, what it means to you. Most of us are simply not studying enough. We really don't know. We become satisfied with coming to church. We come in and out. We come to church. We come in and out. We come to church. And as long as we can say, well, yeah, I went to church on the Sabbath, and I, re I returned my tithe, 
Many of us go no deeper. But the story of Jesus and the cross, and the cross makes the difference. When Peter came to the point where he looked Jesus in the eyes, his life changed, his experience changed. And brothers and sisters, yours and I, mine and yours, it must change as we see Jesus in a different and in a more full manner. The Bible says there in Revelation 7, 3, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees. I want you to know, we don't need any more mass killings in the world, do we? We don't need anybody else to take any guns and go in any schools. We don't need any more complications or we don't need any more politicians to tell us things that are not true. We don't need to see anything that disgusts us on the TV. All we need to do is to understand this, that God is holding back. You think it's bad now? <laughs> Until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Every day that you live, you are in the sealing process. Here's what I want to leave with you. Either you're being sealed in, finish it for me, or you're being sealed out. Let's make sure that the cross is in the right place in our lives, that we're being sealed where God would have us. Would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Dear Father in heaven, as we pray quietly, as we think about Calvary, the place of the skull, Golgotha, the place where they took our Savior, where they mistreated him so and finally put him on a cross, where he gave up the ghost. But the good news is he did all that so that I can have an avenue, a straight, a straight highway to heaven. And so we thank you for the great sacrifice that was made for us on the cross. The place of the cross, outside of the city. Why? That's where the worst should go. How in my life I must take it outside of my heart. How will I do that? Only through Christ. So, Father, we thank you for more opportunities that you've given us. We thank you that you've given us this opportunity this Sunday evening to come back out and how you have blessed us through this Sabbath and through the weekend. We give you praise and honor and glory. And now we ask that you would give us another opportunity to give our lives totally over to you. As we have our eyes closed and our heads are bowed now, once again, we rededicate ourselves. We reconsecrate ourselves to you. Why? Because we are in such a state with sin that daily we must die because daily we go backwards and we have to hold to the cross, hold to the foot of the cross that takes us forward. We thank you for Jesus and his example, his example. And we pray that you will help us to be an example to others, that we not point them or lead them to ourselves, but that we might stand like a sign on the highway and point everyone we see to Jesus. As we do, let them see him high and lifted up. Let them see the sacrifice that he made for them, that it breaks their heart such that they say, I want to give my life to Jesus. As we prepare for these last days, and who knows what comes, but we know that we don't have to worry about what the future holds <laughs> because we know who holds the future. So, Lord, we ask tonight that you would bless us as our heads are bowed now. We rededicate ourselves and we consecrate ourselves to you this evening. We thank you for it in advance. We praise you in the precious and the holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting SavingGraceSDA.org.